Welcome to Let's Talk Color. I'm Amy Wolf, Principal Designer at Amy Wolf Color and Design. And I'm Amy Crane, Founding Designer at Amy Crane Color. We're both professional color experts who specialize in architectural color. We met while training, and years later, the conversation is still going strong. We both live our lives immersed in color and design. We often agree, but sometimes we don't, because color is personal. Color truths, however, are universal. In each episode, we'll unravel the mystery of choosing color for your home or business, both inside and out. To Let's Talk Paint Color. In this episode, we're going to really focus on bedroom colors for kids, how to think about those colors, how to navigate the decision-making process with your little people, um, and uh, talk about how to make that conversation successful. Sounds good. So I have a hunch I do more kids' color than you do, Amy. Would you say that's true? Do you do a lot of work for, for families and kids, or...? Second homeowner, empty nesters more. No, no. Families, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. And when you're consulting with families and talking to parents, who's in charge of the color decision? Is it the kids, the parent, or you? (laughs) (laughs) Never me. (laughs) Um, I would say... More often than not, the, the parent will say to me, and my child wants their room to be X. So that's more than 50% of the time. I don't know how much more than 50. So, and if they don't say it, I do say, does your child have any um, desires? Because I think it's important that they ask. And um, a lot of kids do have a preference. And so we definitely go there. And I'm really happy to accommodate what they say. But sometimes I, I, I temper it, you know, I consult, meaning, um, recently, I did a really beautiful historic home for a couple. And they had one child home, he was probably about, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14. And the parents had fantastic taste. This was a very upscale historic house. You know, everything subtle, sophisticated, gorgeous, you know, super fun, lucky me. Um, And then we get to the kids bedroom, which uh, is en suite. They were trying to get him out of it. (laughs) But it was en suite, theirs was not. And um, the kid wanted a blue and yellow. In fact, I think they said bright blue and bright yellow. Sounds like a sports team scheme to me. Oh, I didn't even think of that. And um, I I really tried to, I said, wow, blue and yellow is great. Um, You know, bright can become a problem. This room gets a lot of light. Um, Walls that are too bright for anyone, no matter what their age, could be, you know, disruptive in terms of sleeping and resting and studying and things like that. So why don't we consider uh, an intelligent way to do this this blue and yellow thing? And we ended up with uh, a, a sort of knockdown, muted, but not light, blue, and sort of a... a muted goldy yellow for the back of the bookcases so it wasn't like you know this wall's bright blue and this wall's bright yellow 
it used the colors but tamed to them. And that's, that's, you know, that's why I'm there. I think that's great. I think when kids get wrapped up in the, well, not even kids. I mean, I've seen it go on in the man cave as well. <laughs> when when <laughs> clients get wrapped up in the sports team colors, you know, and uh, we end up with something like the big green monster, which is the green color that the Fenway Park has painted. Um, yeah, Ben Moore came out with that color a few years, oh gosh, maybe <laughs> longer than a few years ago. But yeah, the sports team colors on the walls can be, uh, well, <clears throat> not supportive. And as you and I both know, because we were trained, uh, regarding supportive color, color that's physiologically easier to live with, I think your path, your choice to, to tone things down and go with more muted versions of those colors was a good one. So in my experience, kids will always, always, always pick the brightest colors if you give them a selection to choose from. So what I tend to do is, unless a child is really, uh, or a young person is really adamant about a specific color, what I will tend to do is talk to the parent who's in the decision-making role and find the brightest color that they can tolerate and then dial back down from there so that we can offer the kid three or four choices knowing that they're always going to pick the brightest one. So instead of giving them like, you know, some colors that the parent likes and then, you know, one outlier bright one, which we know they're going to go with, it's always going to be the, the right. screamer color, you know, the, the sort of the color, the color of the plastic toys out in the yard, you know, stuff like that. Um, Disney colors, you know, I think Disney had a, a paint palette, right? For, for kids' colors that I, I thought were pretty um, garish and hard to live with. The other thing I ask parents about and I, I think about when I'm in the house is where is that room relative to the major t traffic flow in the upstairs space? Because mm -hmm. often, you know, bedrooms are upstairs. And as you and I discussed in the last episode, you know, upstairs is a whole different world. We don't worry so much about flow. You know, the bedrooms can be what they want to be, kind of independent of the color scheme of the rest of the house. But if, you know, the bedroom is in direct view of the main passageway and the parents are going to walk by it every single time, maybe they don't want a fluorescent color, you know, you know, beaming light <laughs> out into the rest out into the rest of the space. So so that's another thing to consider. But um, I think it's nice to give kids choices. I have come across a number of design professionals, you know, colleagues I've met over the years who tell the stories of their childhood bedrooms, that they were allowed to do whatever they wanted. Um, and sometimes it was, you know, it resulted in what is known as a color allergy where they can never look at that color again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Guilty. I was about to launch into that, Amy. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> So when I was eight, we moved from Brooklyn to Long Island. And I got my own bedroom, which I didn't have when I lived in Brooklyn. And my mom and my grandmother decorated the room. And I was eight, as I said. So the room had a new French provincial furniture. It was white with a little bit of painting on it. And um, a deep red carpet, deep red, not bright, white walls, and sort of the centerpiece of the room was the um, bedspread that they had custom made, which was a white, red, 
and pink floral. And I couldn't stand it. And for the life of me, oh. I couldn't understand how people could combine red and pink because how could that go? What did I know? How did I not know that pink came from red? I thought it was horrible. And it had long-term repercussions <laughs> for me. And when I was allowed to do my bedroom myself at 12, it was already the 70s. And so I chose a rust shag rug and a wallpaper, which was a giant plaid of the background was glossy white and the plaid was navy, light blue, yellow, and rust, which started my lifelong love of tartan. But it was it was 180 wow. degrees away from it. It was I had to keep the French provincial furniture, unfortunately. But um, it was like anti-feminine, you know. Don't give me those prissy pink and red flowers. Goodbye, you know. It was very androgynous, and um, I think that certainly not true for every kid. And I'm going to tiptoe around the fact this might be more of a girl thing than a boy thing, but I don't know. I think if you end up being a person who's kind of sensitive to visuals, into color, into design, you know, you may not have been that at eight, but if you go on to be that, then you are very affected by the colors of your, of your youth. And, um, you know, I rebelled. I rebelled. What can I say? How about you? You know, the the first house that we spent a significant amount of time in as children, um, my parents also spent a significant amount of time stripping multiple layers of wallpaper off the walls. So I can promise you there was no further application of wallpaper going on in my childhood. <laughs> and I think, I think my bedroom was like a peach color. You know, I don't really remember getting a chance to decorate and make those choices. What I do remember is moving my furniture a lot. Um, shoving my furniture in this corner and that corner and my bed was on wheels. It was a, an antique four-poster bed. I would take a sheet and put it on top of the four posters and attach it with ponios, you know, little hairbands to, to pretend that I had a canopy bed. Um, so there was, there was some decorating, you know, with the rearrangement. And by the time I was 16 or 17, 16 and 17, I was actually decorating living rooms and helping my parents buy furniture and selecting, you know, major pieces and colors, uh, for actual living spaces. So I guess that's kind of, kind of where I cut my teeth. But I think, I think all those walls were white though. I don't think my parents were doing a whole lot of color on the walls. Um, that's since changed. Both of my parents are really into it. Uh, my mom on her own and my dad, um, you know, with my help. But anyway, so getting back to kids, though, um, it's funny, but the last couple of jobs, you know, me and my accent wall thing, right? <laughs> but the, the, the last couple of jobs I've done for families, um, we've been working in rooms where the kids share the space. So um, in both cases, there's a boy and a girl in both of the last two kid bedrooms I did. And they, um, yeah, it's, it's cool. There's two bedrooms. They sleep in the same room. And then they have a dedicated play space, which I think is really neat. How old? You know? so they've How old the are these kids? Um, they're little. They're, they're little people. They're like four, five, six, seven. 
Okay. You know, they're... Before they care. Preschool to early elementary, right. Before, you know... Yeah. Well, that. Before they grow into having cooties or whatever it is. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, um, in both cases, and I just realized that this thinking about it, we did multiple colors in the bedrooms. Different color on the ceiling for the first one. And then um, sort of a violet and a yellow Mm -hmm. on opposing walls. Mm -hmm. And then in the most recent one, we did four different colors, one on each wall. How different were were they? Well, they were different, different hues. You know, one was pink, one was blue, one was yellow, one was green. They were really dialed back, really soft, really balanced. Um, there was a lot, there were bunk beds, there's a lot of windows and a lot of doors, so there wasn't a ton of wall space. The colors were really, really soft, but it was an interesting way to not have to pick, to deliver to the kids exactly what they said, we want this, this, and this. And instead of saying, well, you have to pick one, we picked it all. Wow. And they're really excited and really happy about it. And it's, it's, I haven't seen it in person, but it was an interesting problem solver that sounds Um, that sounds fantastic i mean i did twin girls when they were young maybe six and they picked green and pink so which are terrific together this was the grandparents condominium but in it was a bedroom for for their granddaughters to sleep over and they were they were about six and they asked them, what colors do you want? Because they were going to share the room. And they said green and pink. So we made the room pink. And the uh, grandmother, who was a fine artist and an art teacher, painted sort of moon shapes as headboards in green on the walls. So that was basically a pink room with sort of, it was sort of like a... Um, you see my chair behind me, Amy? I know listeners, you can't. So it's a yellow-green, mid-tone yellow-green, slightly less sharp than that. Like Granny Apple Smith. So we had these... Granny Apple Yes, Granny yes. Smith? And those... And she painted... Granny Smith, yeah. So she painted those headboard shapes in, in ovals behind each bed, and that's how we did it. So, I mean, you need someone with skill to do curves like that, but she, she had it. But I think that I can't... That's completely charming i can't wait to see but you must get pictures of that multi-toned room because that sounds fantastic would you say that they were pastels yes okay beautiful definitely definitely beautiful i mean not not wimpy pastels but you know soft soft colors Mm -hmm. i guess that's that's my um euphemism euphemism exactly thank you that's my euphemism for pastels soft cool (laughs) so anyway but it's also interesting to me to note that um i think those strict you know blue is for boys pink is for girls thing is kind of fading you know traditionally pink was a boy color and blue was a girl color or you know it, it this these things have changed over time and i think as as our definition and uh, observation of gender becomes more fluid, there's a lot more room for boys to, you know, love pink and girls to like blue or, you know, whatever. Um, I don't think it was ever an issue for girls liking blue. It's interesting to see how, you know, kids are, are embracing 
you know, things all along the continuum, whether it's gender or color or clothing styles or, you know, whatever. So, well, I think I think a bit of history. Uh, this is a good time to interject a little bit of history there, because the pink and blue thing is post World War II, and I don't think everybody knows that. So, you know, if you looked at a, a, a trade catalog for kids' clothes back from like uh, 1910s, 1920s, you would see that um, often pink was recommended for boys' clothes and blue for girls, and it was said because because pink came from red, a more passionate and strong color, hence better for boys. And and light blue like the sky was sort of delicate like girls. I mean, so still assigning color attributes with supposed gender attributes, but it was switched. And then um, after World War II, Rosie the Riveter came home from the factory and hung up her blue dungarees and was given, you know, June Cleaver apron and marketers started wrapping femininity in pink. And so in the years following World War II, marketing just assigned pink to girls and blue to boys. And hence, we see the you know, to this day, that's exactly what it is. And, you know, we know, gosh, I mean, I, if, if you were to ask me of all the colors that parents say their kids want for their bedrooms... Now, I would say number one for a girl is pink, but usually when they're younger girls, number one for a girl is pink, number two for a girl is purple, and number one for a blue is for a boy is blue. So we've we've all we've all absorbed it. They've absorbed it, and even young people now in the year twenty twenty two are still kind of uh, to some degree marching along those lines, which is kind of sad, you know. I mean, you can go back to the 1700s and other many, many centuries back and look at men's clothing, you know, all the different, you know, breeches and waistcoats and velvet and silk and brocade and all this. And there was plenty of pink for men. So it's really amazing. It's changed. Amazing. I I think what's interesting also thinking about the pink for the young girls is, uh, and this is something I tell parents, is that girls tend to want to redecorate at about age 11 or 12. I did. So that, right, so that pink that, you know, may work for a six-year-old probably is going to get pushed aside by about age 11 or 12. And um, boys, on the other hand, and, you know, of course, every kid is different. Everybody's on a different timeline and a different continuum. But what I will say is boys generally don't seem to care until they're about 14, maybe 15. And sometimes they don't care at all. But usually when, a, when we're, you know, redecorating a boy's room at about age 14 or 15, I'm going to want to pick a color that's going to carry them through, you know, into adulthood and, you know, college, you know, if they're returning home in the summer. So I'm going to pick something a little more sophisticated, you know, a little, a little more, you know, adult-like grown-up you know, a dark blue. Um, And I will also say that when I'm doing consults for children, I always ask the parents about the temperament of that child. Great. You know, I really want to honor the temperament of the kid. I don't want, you know, somebody says to me, oh, my kid's really quiet and kind of introverted, and I'd like to have them be a little more cheerful or 
let's do a happy color in their room. But I think it's really important to honor the kid that that, that, that color should suit their needs and their nature. Um, what made me think of that was navy blue. Uh, my daughter, when we moved into this house, was 13, 14, and we painted her bedroom navy blue, walls, ceiling, the whole thing, navy blue. South face, uh, southern light, lots of light, skylight, so we could get away with that dark color. But truly, at the end of the day, she was the kind of person who needed to come home and be in a cave, <laughs> you know, and, and really kind of unwind and regroup herself at the end of every school day. So that blue cave really suited her personality. Um, and in the same way, you know, that means maybe some kids do really want fluorescent pink <laughs> and should have it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, oh, I'm here <laughs> to say that I don't think it's good physiologically, but if it suits the, you know, the emotional uh, makeup Neat. and the personality, yeah, and the personality of that kid, then that's okay. So well, Amy, I remember in our training. I mean, there was some kind of personality profile profiling. It's got such a bad connotation that word, but uh, that we did, you know, questionnaires and profiles and stuff like that. And um, uh, I judge. I remember, you know, also talking about introvert introverts colors and extroverts colors. And in our training, they did say to sort of honor the temperament of the person that you really. You know, your bedroom is your sanctuary, and uh, if you're not sharing it with another person, another kid, um, then it really can be and should be uh, nourishing to you, and it should um, it should excite you if you want that. It should um, it should calm you if you need that. So I, I agree. I don't think that one should employ wall color to sort of. Uh, fight the the nature uh, of a person. And I think talking talking about more about that. Sometimes you see you see this in magazines a lot, but I think it happens also in life. Um sometimes you see parents wanting to take the sort of sophisticated, muted neutrals that they did their house in, often grays, either cool gray or more so warm gray, taupey light grays, and put it into young, like toddlers' bedrooms, babies' bedrooms. And I have to say, especially for super young kid, and I'm not a parent, that you should decorate for child development, not for trends. I really don't believe that's the way to go. And if you look at studies that are done about kids and how they see babies are born, all they can react to is contrast in the very, very beginning. And their, um, their, color, uh, their color vision isn't fully developed until they're five or six months old. And then it's excellent. They can see all of the colors. And so it's really advisable to keeping in mind your kid's personality, if it's come out yet, is to um, decorate with cheerful colors. And cheerful doesn't mean screaming bright. It doesn't mean chroma yellow. But to have the room be colorful, so it's interesting for them to see, to have colorful art, have colorful things and furniture, to move things around so there's always new visual interest going on. And um, if your kids are poor, you know, as they get older as a toddler or whatever, if they're a poor sleeper, you know, maybe you should have 
the calmer colors in there, um, or if they have some kind of, I don't know if you'd consider it a neurological disorder or not, but if they're more of an ADHD kind of kid, then you probably should not have really bright colors in there. So think about the development of your child and, and, col- and, and colors which help them along the way to develop develop into well-rounded um, individuals. And if you really like have to do the neutral wall, make sure there's other colors in there because you could you could there's a way to do that. You know, a crib can be a color, a chair to sit in can be a color, a toy house can be a color. There can be patterns on the walls. The lighting can be different colors. You can add color and pattern to the room tastefully without again it being screaming bright so that you still create visual interest for the child but I I I think it's better personally to stay away from neutrals what do you think I think I'd like to see the end of the gray nursery yeah baby (laughs) that's what I mean (laughs) no more gray nurseries you know going back to that idea of what babies see early on um, what they see is contrast and so often you'll see very early developmental toys Uh, as being black and white, and then they introduce Mm -hmm. a little bit of red. So one of the things to keep in mind also is um, to have a variety of values. And when I say value, I mean lightness to darkness. So some lighter colors, some darker colors. One way you can check your values in your room is to take a photo uh, in black and white, and you can start to see what comes up lighter, what comes up darker. So that's also a way to to bring some variety and some contrast into the space. Great Um, idea. I do think that you know, nurseries should be stimulating, but not overstimulating, as you said, Amy, you know, for kids who may be neurodivergent or just, you know, I mean, all of us are kind of overstimulated <laughs> these days anyway, by the world around us. Um, so I think having a nursery that's, that's peaceful, um, and yet inspiring, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. funny, I think, of course, we want to be inspired by all of our rooms, but it seems like there's nowhere more important to to sort of have some inspiration than than in a kid's room. You know, a growing mind, growing child. Right, right. Function first in these rooms. Yes. Because you can you can always cater, even after you cater to function first, it can still be beautiful and attractive. So just make the function the focus. Right. Right. Another interesting thing I've done in the past that I'll mention here is when I've worked with families who are moving to a new house, uh, the case that comes to mind was a couple who were separating. And they were going to live close by to each other, and they maintained a really good family unit in a way, only under two separate Mm -hmm. roofs. We painted the new bedrooms for those kids the same colors as those that we had chosen for the original project so that there was some continuity there with so much changing. You know, color does signal where we are in our lives, uh, you know, where we are in the world. That's great. It's kind of like me bringing my bedroom color from my last house up to this house. (laughs) You know, I use the same color in both houses to kind of ease my transition. Um, And I think the same can be true for children, you know, that if if we can sort of pick up and move, to the new house with a very similar color, yeah. that that's going to help ease the transition and help the kid feel more settled in. Yeah. Um, for some kids, that's important. Other kids may want brand new, fresh, change it up. And, and again, depending on the personality of that child and what their emo- emotional needs are in that moment, um, 
we can kind of soothe that uh, by, by bringing comfortable, familiar colors. When we talk about, you know, bedroom colors for adults, um, one of the first questions I have is, you know, tell me about your bedding. Tell me about your artwork. Tell me about all of those things. And I think one of the reasons why we can get away with doing four different colors on the walls is because there isn't a really strong color direction in a kid's room. There's usually kind of a cacophony of color because of their toys and their sneakers and their clothes on the floor and you know, whatever else. I think about your, your grandma uh, pink and green bedroom, which I would love to see a picture of. You know, that's a more controlled environment where that room I bet was decorated, right? With good bedding and everything looking just so. And kids' rooms just aren't that way, you know? So I think to sort of surrender to that, um, at least for little kids, to surrender to that reality and just be realistic about it is, is you know, a good thing. So And so I guess one, one parting shot that I will uh, share is that a bedroom is actually a great place for an accent wall, a feature wall. You know, when a, when a kid really, really, really wants a bright color and you feel like it's just too much and it's not going to work, I think that's a great peacekeeper and problem solver is to do the fluorescent pink or the bold blue and gold or, you know, whatever it is that they're really adamant about having, you know, put that on a single wall that maybe isn't the biggest wall, that isn't the most visual wall uh, or, or uh, prominent wall from the hallway. And, you know, deliver the color that way. And then in that case, I would say maybe a neutral on the other walls. Yeah. Oh, I'm in. Um, is, I'm in. I'm in agreement there. Certainly. Yeah. Or, or put it on the headboard wall because when they're laying in right. bed asleep, they're not looking at it, so it won't <laughs> right. keep them awake. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and exactly. gee, I don't know, Amy. Would you go as far as fluorescent? You don't really mean that because that's just a step too far. Fluorescent? No. <laughs> you know? No. But you I mean, don't mean bright? You mean bright? I mean yeah. really bright. I mean, I yeah. mean, yeah. I'm not using yeah. fluorescent in the most technical scientific way. I'm. Yeah. It, for me, it's just analogous bright. to. Oh, too much. Stop it. Make it go away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Anyway. Sounds but, good. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Thanks. I hope that you've learned a little bit about choosing colors for children's bedrooms. And uh, come back and see us next time when we talk about another aspect of color for the built world. And if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, please write to us. You can find us at letstalkpaintcolor.com. We'd love to hear from you, hear your comments or your feedback, and tell us what you want to hear more about. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye.